Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to what I hope will be a powerful and vulnerable and amazing episode of Recovering You. This is a podcast uh, that is a passion project for me that means a lot to me and to, uh, and to my, my co-host, my brother-in-law, and my friend, uh, Chris. This is a podcast where we are setting out on a journey to find the pieces of you that were lost along the path of addiction and put it back together better than it was before. That's really the goal here is just to make a better you, to recover you. Um, so once again, I am joined by Chris. Super glad to have him on here with me again to help us walk through this concept that we're going to tackle today. Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to be here. And this is this is an important one. And it, it I think it ties in really nice. If you listen to our rock bottom episode, I think you'll feel as excited about this as as we do. If you didn't go back and listen to it. Um, one thought I had just to kind of bridge the gap from rock bottom to, to what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. You know, this podcast is called Recovering You. And I think we've all had times when we've looked in the mirror and we've said, either said, I don't like what I see, or I don't recognize that person that I see, especially as it re- relates to addiction. If you're listening to this, you probably have struggled with addiction at some point in your life. So we've all had that time when we've looked in the mirror and said, who is this? And so this concept that we're going to talk about today for me is key in, in that starting that, that process of recovering yourself, winning back your identity and who you really are and who you really can be and are meant to be. I love the way that you put that, that, that conversation with the mirror. Um, that's something I've referenced with people before. And it's, it, it rings so true to me because there, there was a period of time that I refused to look at myself in the mirror. I, I put paper up over the mirror or, or that I would basically just stare down at the sink the whole time. I wouldn't look at myself because every time I did, I was filled with so much disgust and hatred and shame that it was agony just to look in the mirror. And so I, I love the way that you tied that in because it does ring so true. And, and this really is a perfect segue. You'll, you'll notice as we go through this, guys, especially for the first little while, these are going to go kind of sequentially from that moment of hitting rock bottom and, and going through that process of recovery and, and a lot of the stuff that entails before we then get into utilizing certain tools and kind of what you learn in programs and stuff like that. We're really going to go through the, the ladder that has to be climbed in order to be able to look in that mirror once again and say, you know what? I'm still worthy of love. I deserve love. And even though I might not be in the place that I want to be yet, I can see where I'm supposed to go now. And that gives me hope. And that is, that's exciting. And I remember yeah. those, I remember those moments of excitement of like, oh my gosh, I'm actually changing this. This is really working for me. Yeah. And, and what you said was so powerful. And, I, and if you're listening and, and you're the one who's dealing with the addiction, um, I hope that that you're listening right now, really listening and hearing that you're not the only one. If, if you have had a hard time facing yourself in the mirror and the, the temptation is to think I'm, I must be the only one who feels this way about themselves. It's not true. And that was so powerful. I don't think you've ever shared that with me before about putting up paper in the mirror. So, you know, that kind of has me reeling a little bit. Um, but, but we all do that in one way or another. So um, you're not alone. And uh, so listen to the to the rest of this. Look for areas where you felt like, man, I thought it was just me, 
and, you know, take heart that it's not just you. Perfect. So today we're going to, we're going to talk about what comes next. That's going to be kind of be the, the first question that we ask at the beginning of each episode after referencing to the previous episode is what comes next? Well, after hitting that rock bottom, really the thing that the thing that comes next is going to be opening, opening up your book to whoever it is you need to speak to. When, when you fall into addiction, you, you isolate. You don't want people to know what's been going on. You're convinced that what you're doing is shameful, that it's wrong. And, and you know, it is wrong, but the shame aspect is what causes us to, to isolate and to hide. And so uh, we are... Okay, we are I, yeah. I think that's... I just I have to ask, because I, I would guess that there's people who are thinking, and you've had um, with the different groups that you've worked with, I think you would have some great insight here. What, what are some of those driving factors behind not wanting to open up? You know, I think, I think shame is a broad umbrella, but, but what, what's been your experience and what have you seen? Like, how does that shame manifest itself? I don't want to open up because. I, I think, I think for a lot of people, their, their thought process is I don't want to open up because I'm afraid of the consequences. It's, it's fear driven. You know, it's, I don't want to see the pain on my loved one's faces. I don't want them to look at me differently. I, I don't want to lose my job. You know, if, if it's been something, you know, that could compromise your employment, there's so many different aspects, but I think that runs parallel with that shame is, is fear. It's fear of the unknown because you start to play out in your mind, how are people going to react? And, and you being the addict and being susceptible to the manipulations of uh, who I like to call Spike, Christians would call him Satan, you know, that, that, that adversary of your own mind that convinces you that you're worthless, that you're nothing, that you're a terrible person, that he, he really pushes fear. He, he convinces you to expect the worst from people. Everyone's going to hate me if I come out and talk to them about this. No one's going to want me around their, 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 around their families anymore this is going to be something that ruins me. So I, I would say that's probably the, the other biggest thing is fear of the unknown. And then putting, putting thoughts and words and actions into other people's mouths. We don't actually know how people are going to react until we approach this concept of what, what we call D-Day or Disclosure Day. I don't know. Did, did that kind no, of answer I, your question? No, absolutely. I love that. And I like how you hit on Spike or Satan. I, I fully believe, and I think most people would agree, there is good and there is bad in the world. And the bad, however you want to choose to, to classify it, is what builds a logical fallacy in your brain. So it tricks you right to what you were saying. It gives you this choice, this dilemma. I can either keep this all bottled up inside and protect my loved ones and uh, you know, keep my sense of, of normalcy in life, or I can open up and lose everything. When in reality, if, if you stay closed, the first thing that you lose is yourself. That's another reason why this yes. is so important in recovering. You know, when we talk about recovering yourself, because all these things in your life, your loved ones, your, your wife, your children, your parents, coworkers, they are all anchored to you because of who you are. And so by opening up as, as counterintuitive as it is, or, you know, if you, if you bought into this lie of you have to keep it in or you'll lose everything by opening up, you start to recover yourself, your true self. And then all those people who 
you value and love so much, that tie, though it, it may be strained for a while, or some might be broken for a while, eventually, um, if there's honesty and forgiveness, they'll re-anchor to you, to the real you. And that relationship, I believe, and what I've, what I've seen outside looking in and, and from my personal experience, will be richer and deeper um, than ever before. And, and it's funny that you said we this, this fallacy that we're convinced of that we're somehow protecting our family by not telling them what's going on when when really you're you're actually doing more damage because the longer you wait the longer you go the the deeper the the cut is going to be believe it or not people are going to know that something is going on with you and their minds are going to fill in their own story and it could either be worse than what's going on or not quite as bad but either way when they find out it, it's going to be even worse because they, it's been festering in their minds already. So this concept of D-Day or, or full disclosure day is that in speaking to therapists and in speaking to some of the other men that I work with in groups, just like going straight into it can actually be very damaging as well. It should be done in the right way. Now, should it be done promptly? Yes. It should not be held off because then you can start to convince yourself that you know what? I can just live with this pain. I can live with this lie. It's okay. I, I can, then that turns into, I can get away with this. Oh my gosh. They, they still don't know. I just won't do it again. I'm, I'm good. But being done promptly in the right way, I, I think is a, is a really important thing. So yeah, I, I love how you highlighted that. And, and the image that comes to my mind is every day that goes by, it's another straw on the camel's back, right? It's another day that you have to lie. It's another day that you run the risk of this, this false sense of yourself becoming a part of your identity and your value system. And so it all just builds up until, you know, that last straw. And I don't know if this is where you want to get into it or not, but what was that for you? And, and again, I love how you highlighted the importance of, you know, you probably just don't blurt it out at the dinner table, right? You, you, there should be some, <laughs> there should be some thought um, that goes into how you do it. Right. Cause then you're giving there's them, pro there's probably no to, perfect. You're giving them ammunition to throw at you. Peas will go flying. <laughs> they got drinks to throw in your face. Yeah. You don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Don't do it and, and at the dinner table. Yeah. At the same time, there's no, there's no perfect time for something like this, right? If Absolutely. that's what you're waiting for, no such thing as, as the perfect time. There's no, there's no movie script here that's going to have the music swell and have this, you know, be, a, be exactly what you want it to be. And that's okay too, you know, because these are, these are people who are important to you. They have real feelings and, and you need to give them space to manifest those feelings um, and digest what they're hearing. So what was it for you? You know, there was time where this was building up and all these straws were getting thrown on the camel's back. So what, what was that last straw or the last couple of straws that led up to you saying, you know what, I have to open up. I have to fully disclose yeah. Yeah. to the people I care about what's been going on. So for me, if you I, want to share, or <laughs> no, no. I mean, that that's, that's exactly why we're here is to talk about that moment of D-Day. I had had multiple other days of disclosure where, you know, I, I'd been messing up in my marriage for eight years at this point of just relapse after relapse, you know, and saying, I'm going to change for you. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to do better. Um, I promise. I promise. I promise. Yet like in the last episode that Bruce talked about, 
I wasn't willing to do whatever it took. I wasn't willing to, to take those steps. And what, what finally pushed me over that edge, because I, I had, like I said, I had disclosed things before, but I had always sugarcoated and held things back. Because, you know, it's like, well, if I, if I tell them that I just messed up a, a little bit, that's not nearly as bad as saying I messed up a lot of it. Obviously, I mean, that's pretty common sense for an addict. That's exactly what we think is I'll just do a little cut. I won't, I won't drive the dagger in. I'll just do a little cut. And it's like telling your parents that when you were a teenager, you got pulled over for speeding, right? And you try and leave out the fact that you had seven friends in the back seat, and and you, and know, you were you were throwing snowballs out the window at people, right? Yeah, <laughs> it was only speeding. Uh, <laughs> that's that's a that's a really good visual there. What happened though was when I, I I still had a conscience, even though I was doing these terrible things. That that conscience was fading, but I knew that I needed to go speak to my, to my bishop, my ecclesiastical leader. And in speaking to him, you know, of, of course he said, "You got to tell her." And you know, I was like, "Well, you know, can't I can't I like get a little bit into recovery first? Can I like get a get a therapist?" And he was like, "The longer you wait, the worse it will get." the exact same advice I said at the beginning of this episode. So, you know, I, I, I went home and th- this is something that was actually talked about in the episode that my wife did on the, on the eternal warrior podcast. Um, I, I knew what was coming. I knew what I needed to do. And so I avoided my wife and I, I went into, we had a newborn baby and I, I went into his room and I just held my baby boy. And I just, I just cried. Because in my mind, I had already started to fill in the blanks. I'm going to lose this baby. I'm going to lose my girls. I'm going to lose my wife. I'm going to lose my home. What I'm about to disclose to my wife, I am going to lose everything. And the fear hit me like a tidal wave and I panicked. And so I I laid there while my, I, I, I eventually went to bed well after I knew when my wife was asleep. And I, I crawled into bed and just being there next to her, I, I just started to once again ball again. I, I was I was in a pretty <laughs> I was in a pretty bad place. And she she woke up hearing me sobbing and sat up and, and had that tone that she was just like, What happened? And and so she she already knew that what I was about to say, she, you know, she was triggered immediately because this was not the first time that she'd woke up in the middle of the middle of the night to me not being able to sleep because of something I had done. And what was interesting was that night when she was saying her prayers, she was basically having a conversation with herself and with Heavenly Father and saying, if he tells me he messed up again, I'm going to tell him to leave. And that might be the end. So God give me the strength. And so very calmly, after after I told her what happened, she stayed silent and, and I said, what do you want me to do? And she said, I want you to leave. You can sleep on the couch tonight. And after you get home from work tomorrow, you will pack your bags and you will leave. And I was like, where am I going to go? And, you know, all my, all my worst fears coming to realization. And she said, you figure it out. I, I am no longer here to support you. I'm going to be here for our kids. You have to go. And as much as you know, that, that night, I obviously didn't sleep at all. Uh, I, I couldn't focus at work the next day. 
I came home thinking like, you know, maybe she's cooled off a little bit. Maybe she'll let me just sleep in the basement. Um, but I, I still had made preparations that um, a coworker of mine had a spare room in his apartment and allowed me to, to stay there. As, as tough as it was that, that next day, one thing was clear. And, and this is the message that should be taken away from that terrifying experience was the healing could now begin. The, the, the pain was out there. The message was out there. I had disclosed everything. I did not hold anything back. She knew everything. And so now it was a matter of, okay, where do we go from here? So we finally had a direction. I was no longer hiding. We could move on. Yeah. And that, and that's so powerful. And, and we might've done it in the, in the previous episode, if not uh, look in the description of this episode, you, everyone should listen to your wife's podcast. I hope I don't get in trouble for telling everyone to go listen to that. No, but I've shared that. I've shared that with a ton of people and it is so powerful. And she hits on so many things that are important for married people that are important for uh, young women, uh, teenage girls growing up about how to maneuver in the culture that we live in, setting boundaries. I, I can't recommend it enough. But the thing that keeps coming back to me too is this is so critical because these people that you love, they've already been living with you in your worst days and they just didn't know it. And so you have to open up to them to give them the choice to still stay with you in your worst days and then build up, you know, kind of tearing everything down to the foundation and then building it back up together. And I, if you're listening, I'm, I'm going to give a spoiler alert. So mute it if you don't want to know how Cameron's story ended um, or is continuing, <laughs> but, but it's, it's a hit. Earmuffs, earmuffs, right. But it's happy. Um, it, there were tons of hard times and I'm sure we'll get into that in future um, episodes. You and Katie are still together, still have your kids, yeah. jobs better than ever. And and uh, being able to spend lots of time with you as we do at different family things, you're happier than ever. And so this it's, is all it's true. a scary, it's a scary thing. I, and I liken it to skydiving, right? Once the hardest part is deciding to jump out of the plane, but once yes. you jump, then you're committed. And then, <laughs> and then you just have to work no this, climbing back in. <laughs> there's, there's no going back into the plane, but the good news is if you're, if you'll listen and stick with us throughout uh, the course of this podcast, we're going to walk you through the steps to recover your sense of self, to have confidence in your parachute, to have confidence in your jumping buddies, everything that you need to have confidence in safely landing. And for some of you, you're going to have that. And, and I hope most of you are going to have the happy happy continued like Cameron's having. And some of you, you'll have a different story, but the most important thing is that you'll recover who you are and you'll start with a healthy, honest foundation to build a, a happy new chapter. Absolutely. And, and, and there's, uh, there's different ways to go about this, right? So I think yeah. you mentioned a therapist, a bishop. Why don't you tell us tell well, us yeah, what yeah. that looks like? Um, I, I also did just want to reiterate the facts. So important in this is do not... Do not hold back in, in, in your disclosure to your therapist, to your ecclesiastical leader, to whoever you are disclosing this information to. Um, my, my therapist likened it to hitting your wife with a semi-truck. And, and you know, for you to disclose these things 
and then come back a week later and say, I have more to say, all you're doing is backing up the truck to run over them again. You know, they're, they're going to get hit by the truck, but to back up over them again is heartless. It is, yeah. it does so much more damage than if you had said it all at the first time. So, yeah, so if, if you're listening, the first notion that you have to let go of is that you're somehow being kind by not being completely honest. Yeah. At this point, the most compassionate and loving thing you can do is be completely honest um, with your significant other, with your parents, with who, whoever it is that you need to be open about. That, that yeah. is the most selfless, kind thing that you can do at this point. Absolutely. And then you asked, um, so what, what are the steps of going about it? You, you talked about going to your bishop first. So there's people out there listening who might have a, a spiritual leader in their life. You know, um, what, what could that look like for them? Or should they go to a therapist first? Or kind of what should people be thinking about when they're trying to decide you know, getting that support system in, because you'll need a support system, right? After, after that happens. So that, that, and that's why at the very beginning, I talked about how don't just jump into it, be prompt about it. But this, this is why, so a lot of people will actually, they, they will find a therapist or a recovery group, or, or they will bring their spouse in to, to a session with that therapist, or they'll bring them into the office of their ecclesiastical leader. And, and what that does is it allows for um, a mediator to see the situation from a third party's perspective, to not only defend the person that's been hurt, because in that, in that kind of an emotional state, sometimes you need another person to express what it is that you've been talking to them about for maybe a few days, you know, and, and, it, it can help a lot. So I have always told people uh, when, when they say, Hey, I, I really think I, I need to, I, I need to talk to my wife about some things. I would usually say, okay, do you have a therapist? Okay. Talk to your therapist about a disclosure day, set a date, uh, let your wife know, Hey, I, I need to talk to you about some things. I've set an appointment with the therapist. Don't make it two weeks down the road because that will eat them alive you know, make it as soon as possible, but they will see that you have taken the first step of initiating healing in doing Yeah. It. And I, I, I like, I like how you've emphasized a few different times about do it, do it in a timely way. Cause if, if you stretch it out or if you say, Hey, I've got an appointment with my therapist in two weeks, I want you to come to, it's going to build up and there's going to be too many opportunities for it to just boil right. over um, before right. you can do it in that as, as healthy of a setting as possible. And I like how you've highlighted either a therapist or a spiritual leader, you know, cause people come to you. I think it, it's important that it's a neutral third party because if it's a friend or a cousin or a in-law, um, it could, it could be hard on, on the person you're disclosing to, to think, wait, is this person taking sides? How long right. have they known? Um, so that is, that is a really good point. Yeah. This person should, should be someone that is trained in mediation that that knows how to not take sides to, to not play and and if if anything and this might be a little bit hard to hear if anything that person should be defending the person hurt and should be against you because you're you're the one that made the mistake there, there were many times um in 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 sessions with my therapist afterwards that i would be like i i just i just want her to understand where i'm coming from and and he would he would basically jump on that and say, why, why, why does she have to do anything for you? You're the one that messed up Cameron. 
And, and he would go to the defense of my wife. Now, he didn't do it in a way that made me feel stupid or that made me feel bad. He showed me that it was my actions that caused the pain. She's still in pain. I shouldn't expect her because she's in a body cast from just being hit by that truck. I shouldn't expect her to make me a sandwich after that. It's yeah. not fair. So, <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> well, and I like, yeah. So I really like how you said that it's important that it's a neutral third party and they come to your defense because here you've had this bottled up so long and then you dump it and, and your next thought is, okay, now how do we go about fixing it? Right. Especially if, if you're a guy listening to it, how do we, how do I fix this? Okay. And, and that's, fantastic not, that's, that's not how it works. What's that? Well, no. And that's actually a fantastic question too, is how do we go about fixing this? You got to take the we out of it. It is no longer between you and those people to fix it. The fixing all relies on the person that is addicted. So uh, another really good analogy that I, I think Katie shares in her episode. Um, she essentially hitched up her wagon, packed her car, you know, and she said, I'm packing my car. I'm, I'm packing my wagon and I'm going to go. Now you can walk in the same direction. You can pack your own car and come with me. You can drag your feet. You can whine and moan. You can do whatever you want right now. You're not allowed in my car. So I would love for you to come along, but if you don't, I'm going to keep going. Your recovery is yours. The, the, yeah. choices, the choices from here on out belong to you. I am not going to drag you kicking and screaming through recovery to try and get a relationship back that, in my opinion, is shattered and broken and I don't really want anymore right now. What I want is someone that is willing to fight for themselves and then fight for me. And that's what I had to learn to do because I had never fought for myself. And I had always lied yeah. to my wife saying, I'm doing this for you. I'm going to get better for you. And that was another damaging and terrible thing to tell her. Because then that puts the weight on her of, you know, of, of sign, I'm doing of signing this for your you. permission slip saying, yeah, okay, you're good enough. You're finally good enough for me. Right. I want to I circle back to, to something kind of in that vein that you said um, when you were talking to your therapist. And, and, and that is that the therapist he corrected your train of thought without making you feel stupid or bad. If you're seeing a therapist and they're, they're making you feel stupid or bad, or like you're irredeemable, go find a new therapist. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you are going to feel bad. Um, guilt is a real thing when you've done something you shouldn't do, and it can be a powerful motivator. But if you have someone who's, who's making you feel like you're worthless and irredeemable, it's time to go find a new therapist. And, um, and any good therapist, one of the first things they will tell you is, if things don't work out with us, I can refer you to other therapists. I'll do what I can to help you find the right therapist for you. Because if they, if they are fighting to keep you as their client, they're in it for the money. Yeah. You're, don't be somebody's piggy bank. Go. Right. <laughs> go. And then I did want to ask you, because we've, we've built up about, you know, oh, it's hard. It's it's stress. There's a lot of, there's high emotion. Was there any sense of relief on the day of, or was it kind of like a second wave of reality hitting you? And then the relief came later. What did that look like for you? And it could be different for everybody, but for you, what um, did that look like? Yeah. For me personally, I would say, uh, no, for probably a week after, after my D day, um, I had no appetite. I wasn't eating. I was sleeping just a couple hours a night out of just pure exhaustion. I started to perform very poorly at work. 
Um, I, I was messing things up, which when you work in the medical field, that's not a good thing to do. Um, <laughs> Small room for error. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, people, people are starting to notice I, I was extremely depressed and, you know, I, I even, I, I begged, begged in prayer to just be taken from the earth. I, I, I wanted to die. It, it was, it, it was, it was a nightmare. And the relief started to come when I would say when, when I finally made that choice of, I'm going to fight for this. No matter you know, what Katie, no matter what my spouse decides, to no matter what my spouse decides. And, and that was something that, that came from my therapist that he asked me, he was like, so if she wants a divorce, are you going to, are you going to keep working through recovery? Are you going to fix this? Are you going to become a better you? And for the, you know, cause he was like, why don't you just go, why don't you just go be a bachelor again, sleep with whoever you want. You know, you, you can be free. You know, he, he gave me that lane. He said, you can take this lane. It's a, it's a viable option. So are you going to do it? And, and I didn't just jump on the answer because I wanted it to be genuine. I remember sitting there in silence for a few minutes and eventually said, that's not what I want. What, what I want is my wife and kids. What I want is to love who I am. What I, what I want is to finally feel at peace and not be, not be in a constant state of addiction and being dragged toward this compulsive behavior that I hate and loathe. Because there there, there's no addict that loves his addiction. They, they don't consider themselves an addict. Any addict hates what they're doing. And... So I, I think it was that that moment of saying, you know what, I I want to get to a better place, and I'm gonna and I'm going to do whatever it takes, even if I do lose my wife and kids, I'm, I'm gonna take that step. And I think that's where the relief started to kick in. I started sleeping. I was reading my scriptures and praying and pondering and and coming up with these thoughts, and I was more connected than I had been in probably years to my my inner self. Um, and and that was a huge relief. So I, I would say, you know, long, long story short. Yeah. <laughs> it, <laughs> no, I think it, it took about a week. So I, that's a great answer. And it, it reminds me, I was doing some career coaching uh, for someone at work this week. They were looking at a couple of different options. And, and one piece of advice I gave them, I said, in my career and in life in general, I've found that anytime that I'm chasing something, I always get better results than if I'm running from something hmm. and, and you're going to yeah. be kind of in flight or fight mode up to disclosure day and after D day. Um, you know, it, it's very much a primitive raw emotion based uh, actions. And so try and have to center yourself kind of what you described that, that awakening moment of I'm not going to act out of fear anymore. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be running from what I'm afraid of losing. I'm going to be chasing who I want to become um, because that's, that's someone worth fighting for. And you, as you are, if you're listening, the one takeaway from this, in addition to being intentional and deciding to do it is to know that you're worth doing it for on your own, no matter what else happens, Absolutely. you are worthy of being loved just for being you. And so invest that time, invest that sacrifice in yourself, and you will become an even better version of yourself than you ever thought possible. So true. So good, man. 
So the last thing I want to touch on here before we close up is what happens after D-Day. And what I would say is after that D-Day, accept and respect the consequences. It, it's awesome. not about, okay, now that I've told you and I've shown you that I'm, I'm willing to, and I, and I made this mistake, this is coming from personal yeah. experience, <laughs> yep. I'm going to start nudging to get back into the house, to get back in your life, to, to have you accept me again. No, 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 no. Let, 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 learn from my mistake right here. Accept and respect the consequences and allow them that time that when they are ready, you just need, you need to be available and at a place that they can trust and feel safe around you. So when they finally do say, I'm okay if you come and see the kids for an hour or I'm okay if you come take them out to ice cream. You don't go try and have a big, serious conversation. You don't try and fix things. You do exactly what they said. You grab the kids, you go get ice cream, you bring them home. That right there says, okay, I can trust him to take the kids out the ice cream. Then eventually that turns into, I'm okay if you come over for dinner. You come over, you eat dinner, you leave. You don't throw a fit. You don't make a big deal out of it. You accept and respect those boundaries and those consequences. And in time, as they go through their own healing process, that will be the only chance that your relationship, if you value it, has to heal and to be made whole again, actually better than it was before. Absolutely. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. And that's so powerful. I mean, amen to all of that. The, the environment that is prime for you to reach your full potential as an individual is one where you have full freedom, but full accountability too. So, you know, you've got all these choices in front of you, make your choice, but then realize that there are consequences and own up to that and be accountable for it. And, and as you do it, that's your, your soul is going to get refined and, and uh, supercharged and it's going to be awesome. So for those of you out here, out there who are maybe at that point that, you know, you need to disclose what's been going on in your life. If you need someone to talk to, you can. Uh, hopefully by this point, find find Chris on Life Changing Services as a personal warrior trainer. We will also include our email in uh, at the bottom of the podcast every week. Uh, you're welcome to share your story with us. We are not therapists. We we cannot give you professional or legal counsel. However, yeah, we, we, we are, can issue we are prescriptions, so don't ask. <laughs> <laughs> However. If taking that first step to disclosing to your loved ones mean you need, means you need to talk to someone who's been through it, to find someone to get them on your team, we are on your team. You are not alone. We got your back, and we would love to help you through this process. Be strong. You can make it through this. We love you. Yeah. Enjoy learning about how to recover yourself. It's all about recovering you. We'll see you next week, guys.